Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for Valentine's Day, ladies and gentlemen. Valentine, Happy Valentine's Day to you all. I'm sorry, we'll give away the book today at the end of the show, I promise. Yesterday, I just got completely sidetracked, so sorry about that. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. I even get the picture of Bailey up. I'll get the picture of Bailey up. It'll all be up there. Everything will be good and ready to go. So, yeah, you know. Sometimes you just get distracted, kids happen, life happens, and sometimes you go to bed early and then you wake up in a fever going, what the hell? Oh, crap. I hadn't even recorded the ending of the show. So there you go. That's, I don't have an excuse, but that's the reason. Anyway, let us get on with the program so we can get on with the getting it on on Valentine's Day. We have a lot of stuff to get to, a bunch of things to talk about. We have new inflation numbers out today. And inflation is back a little bit. Just a little. I don't want to spend a lot of time on inflation because talking numbers is really bad radio as much as you, you can and you do. But inflation was 3.1% year over year it was expected to be 2.9%. Now, you might not think 0.2% points is all that big of a difference, but, and frankly, you know, I don't either. I know that it's more than the 1.5% to 2% that it was before Joe Biden came came into office, but it's also up from last time. There's all sorts of problems. This is the issue with this president, is things don't get better they get slightly less worse and that's treated as though that's a victory for which you should be grateful you know that's really the thing is you'd better be grateful you'd better be happy you'd better be this you'd better be that why we can do better than this we should be able to do better than this Easily, you start doing better than this by stopping printing money. This morning, the United States Senate agreed to to a what is it, ninety-eight billion dollar spending bill on foreign aid. Ninety-eight billion. We don't have ninety-eight billion laying around. I don't know if you know this or not, but we've already gone through the couch cushions. We've already blown through all the Social Security number. We've done everything possible to spend every dollar that is in existence and then create trillions more of them. And that is leading to inflation, that inflation isn't higher. Actually, inflation is higher if you calculate it the way it was calculated back in the 70s. But again, you control the unit of measure, you control everything. That being said, it's bad enough. Gas prices are back up. Well, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. Go to the grocery store. You spend a fortune. That doesn't matter. Your energy prices. So they say energy prices are down, though. Energy prices are down nominally. Are your energy prices down? I don't know that my energy prices are down. My energy bill isn't down. That's kind of the problem. What the cost is, whatever. Like, oh, 
you're actually paying slightly less, a slightly lower rate. Okay, um, my bill is, I don't know, about the same, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, depending on the month. If it's $5 cheaper than it was last year, that's, you know, it's $5, nothing to sniff at, nothing to complain about. But in the grand scheme of things, is that really something to celebrate? We've been told by this administration time and time again that things are cheaper, that things are getting better. Inflation is gone. Gas prices are down when gas prices were down. They don't talk about when gas prices are up. They don't go, well, sorry about that. When gas prices are up, it's, hey, man, the president can't control gas prices. What do you want? Gas prices go down. Suddenly he comes out like he's Harry Potter and he just defeated the Lord Voldemort ExxonMobil. I've lowered gas prices. You're welcome, America. Gas prices are up. All right, I got to go. I'll see you guys uh, whenever they go down again. That's how, not how the, um, that's not how reality works, but that's how the world works. Let's just be honest. That's how the world works. So as you're looking, if you're looking for a break from inflation, looking for a little deflation, looking to get some of that buying power back, or if you're listening to the President of the United States during the Super Bowl going, there are less chips in the bag. Why are there fewer chips in the bag? And they're selling them for the same price. That's inflation. Maybe his handlers don't know that. But they uh, that's inflation. That's a direct result of his policies. Maybe they think by him talking about it that he can deflect from it, that people will... If he walks around talking about how angry he is about the impacts of inflation, then people will think... And it probably will work on some people. And people think, well, the president's just as mad as I am about inflation. President's really ticked off that he can't go to the grocery store for less than 80 bucks, too. Except Joe Biden doesn't go to the grocery store. Joe Biden probably hasn't been to the grocery store. Hell, I don't know. Himself, a doddering old man after he left the uh, vice presidency, he wouldn't have gone during the vice presidency. I bet Jill was the shopper when he was in the Senate, if not a Senate staffer to do that. I'd say it's been a good 20 years. But they, well, he's run for president a couple of times in there. He probably ran through a grocery store, but he didn't shop for anything. I'd say, yeah, it's probably been a good 20 years since Joe Biden's actually been in a grocery store for getting food purposes. So he doesn't know. But he'll go, oh, can you believe the size of the Pringles? They've gone down. There are fewer Pringles in the can. And somebody maybe who's grown into their couch because they haven't moved for six years will stand up. And, well, they wouldn't be able to stand up, but they, yeah, he gets me. He gets me. I can't handle fewer Doritos in the bag. Don't get too excited about the uh, the numbers at the White House as the White House spins them. It'll be curious to see Joe Biden comes running out every single time there are there's a good jobs report, right? Every time there's a good jobs report, Joe comes knocking down the White House. I assume he takes the elevator. I can't imagine that guy. The The ceilings are pretty high. The staircases are pretty long. There's no way he, he risks that. They have to put him on Air Force One through the cargo bay, essentially. So it's highly doubtful that he's going to come down the stairs, but he'll come down the elevator. And they trot him out to the cameras to go... We got uh, great jobs reports. I've created 
more jobs than anybody ever in history on the jobs present. Yeah, we're getting jobbed. Of course, he takes credit for all the jobs that came back after COVID. It's amazing what happens when you shut down all the businesses and make them lay off all their employees. And then you say, okay, go ahead and open. Those jobs come back. You didn't create them. Disneyland closed. Disneyland reopened. Everybody who worked at Disneyland went back to work at Disneyland. You are not Walt Disney, Joe. You are not Walt Disney. But he's not about to let the facts stand in the way of a good story. The facts are not on his side. He can't convey the facts. He can't convey the truth. So as you watch the spin on these numbers, and there's all sorts of other numbers in them every single day, every single week, there's new numbers being released. Keep in mind what matters most and what matters to you is what, what's your life like? You're not unique. I hate to break it to you. I'm not unique. Nobody is unique. We're a planet of 8 billion people. We're a country of 330 million people. Your circumstances are difficult. They could be rare. They're not unique. Unique literally means one of a kind. The odds of that are astronomical and highly unlikely. I mean, hell, everybody's seen somebody's like the spitting image of somebody, right? I remember my friend Todd. I wish I'd gotten a picture of this. We didn't have the guts to go up and talk to him. But at a happy hour I used to organize, there was a guy there who was future Todd. He he was like a 30-pound, heavier, gray-haired, spitting image of my friend Todd. And I'm like, you've, you've traveled back from the future to give yourself a, an important message. I wish I'd have gone up and talked to the guy and said, please, can we get a picture of you with your past self? But it was probably a little rude. But it was just funny as hell. But <laughs> apropos of nothing. But did you watch all this spin and everything? Just be aware that the smoke is being blown up your rear end. In the meantime, in the meantime, the federal government, the Senate anyway, has decided to send a bunch of money over to Ukraine. We've got, we're lousy with money, lousy with money for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. They always tie the three of them together. It's Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. We're helping out our allies around the world. Well, about 80% of that money goes to Ukraine. It goes to Ukraine. So, okay, great. Hey, I found $100,000. We're going to split it up evenly amongst all three family members. Here you go. I'll, I'll give you $500. I'll give you $500. And I will take $99,000. We have all split. We've all wet our beaks off of this thing. Like, wait a second. That's, uh, it's not. It's not fair. We all found the money. Nah, who's to say? Ukraine's getting the lion's share of the money. The vote in the Senate was 70 to 29. 22 Republicans voted yes. 22 Republicans voted yes. No offsets, no concerns for what it's going to cost, no, no giving a damn about adding to the national debt. It's just, let's do this thing. Nothing, by the way, for the border. Not a damn thing for the border. Not one link in a chain link fence for the southern border. Nothing. 
Just straight up, here you go, Zelensky. Here's a whole bunch of money. Don't worry about being accountable for the money that we've uh, already sent you that you can't account for. Oopsie daisy. One of the people who was uh, opposed to this boondoggle was Senator J.D. Vance, Republican freshman senator from Ohio. Allegedly on the uh, short list for running mate for Donald Trump. I don't know. He, He's a good campaigner, smart guy, wrote the best-selling book, Hillbilly Elegy. You could do a lot worse. You could do a lot worse, but I'm I'm doubtful that Donald Trump would go to J.D. Vance. Semi-doubtful, I guess I would say. Anyway, J.D. Vance was down on the floor of the Senate, and he was pointing out something very interesting. You don't hear about from the Democrats. You don't hear about, sadly, from Republican leadership. You don't hear about from the Pentagon. You don't hear about from the media, the people whose job it is to make sure you hear about things that those people in power don't want you to hear about. You don't hear about this at all. But our military is facing a little bit of a crunch time. We have an ammunition shortage. We have an equipment shortage. We are shipping... Not for lack of money. Good Lord, we spent we spent that money. Man, a lot of it was probably ripped off, but a lot of it was delivered. But we're sending so much equipment, so much ammunition, so much of our supply over to Ukraine that it's faster than we can replenish it. So that we don't really have enough ammunition for ourselves should, God forbid, we need it. We're not at war in Ukraine directly. We are by proxy. We are not at war in Israel. We sort of are by proxy, but Joe Biden just keeps screwing everything up. He warned uh, Netanyahu not to go into uh, the neighborhood. I don't know how to, Rifa or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it, but don't go into this neighborhood. Don't do this. Just stay out of there. And Netanyahu sent in troops, sent in special forces anyway, and they rescued two hostages the other day. If we follow the lead of the president of the United States on foreign policy, you're insane. Thank God Benjamin Netanyahu knows this. But we're not at war over there, and we're not really sending that much military equipment to Israel. But if China decides to invade Taiwan, we are kind of on the hook to defend them. And China is aware of our inventory. China is aware of everything that our government is sending over to Ukraine. They go, wait a second, they didn't just magically double their number of shells. They're running pretty low. So J.D. Vance was down on the floor of the Senate. He's not speaking out of school here. He's not telling state secrets to anybody. But in this clip, he talks about how we have a problem. We have shorted ourselves and sacrificed our security on the altar of Ukraine for some weird reason. One thing that suggests to me is that GDP numbers are awfully fake. If you can't produce weapons to defend your own people, then you can't pretend that your economy is as strong as you might like to think. Unfortunately for Wall Street, we cannot fight wars with dollars and derivatives. We need weapons. We need bullets. We need artillery shells. We need missiles. And America doesn't make nearly enough of those. Not for our own security and certainly not enough to support both the Ukraine conflict and, God forbid, a conflict that might occur in East Asia. So let's specify that a little bit more. 
We are right now depleting critical munitions, missiles, artillery shells, and bullets faster than we can replenish them, and then we send them to Ukraine. Well, I'm sorry, why does that make an ounce of sense for our own national security? Shouldn't we rebuild our own manufacturing capacity before we spend all of it on Ukraine? Shouldn't we make more of our own weapons and gain some self-sufficiency in weapons manufacturing before we send all of those resources to Ukraine? The answer of the United States Senate is apparently not. He's absolutely right. This has been an issue for a while, but nobody in the Pentagon wants to talk about it because it'll anger the White House. The White House won't talk about it because they've created this problem. And so much of the Republican establishment in Congress is in on the we must do everything, move heaven and earth to fund Ukraine bandwagon for whatever reason. I don't know what makes Ukraine so special. I really don't. But we have this problem. At some point, our military has to exist to protect us. Us. And in the uh, interests of, again, I'm not really sure what the interests are with when it comes to Ukraine, making sure they are make, keeping secrets of the Biden. I don't know. I don't know what the what the reason is that makes Ukraine. They always say, well, it's it's the uh, breadbasket of Europe. They grow the grain that feeds the world. Well, you know what? It's been a couple of years now that they've been at war. That's been semi-disrupted. Here's an idea. Plant grain someplace else too, right? Shouldn't we not be growing what we need in multiple places so that maybe a swarm of locusts comes through and eats everything out? We don't all starve to death. Maybe we go, all right, uh, we're going to keep growing in Ukraine as best we can. And then Romania, what are you doing? You got, you got a lot of field there, plant. Uh, parts of the United States, we already grow some. There are plenty of options here. If that were the case and the real reason for so much of what these leftists do and say, I don't believe them for a second, but that is what they tell people. All of this could be planned for and all of this could be planned for here in the United States. At a certain point, we should start to negotiate some peace over there. At a certain point, we do have to say, I'm sorry, Ukraine, we can't leave ourselves vulnerable. Can't do it. There's the whole of the continent of Europe that can step up at any point they wish to help out. But sooner or later, I mean, if we're running out of, I mean, we talk about wild mismanagement. If we're running out of munitions and we're running out of weapons systems, because of a proxy war in Ukraine, we have been lied to about our military and its capacity and capabilities on a scale we can't even begin to imagine. Just can't. I'm looking at the Twitter machine and I see this Morning Joe tweet. God, Joe Scarborough is such a smug douche. He really truly is. Morning Joe. It's a quote from Joe Scarborough. You want to know how Biden's doing? Look at your 401k. Look at your stock app and see how much money you're making every hour because there's not a crazy lunatic in the White House. There's somebody who respects the rule of law. Yeah, somebody who's sicking the uh, Justice Department on his political opponents, not just Donald Trump, everybody down to people who are protesting pro-lifers. 
the J6, everybody. Oh, well, those are insurrectionists. Yeah, except for that nobody's ever been charged with insurrection. Other than that, yeah. It's weird how the media will bend over. O.J. Simpson. Well, I guess maybe they do call O.J. Simpson a murderer, but somebody caught but the, the tranny would-be killer. Yeah, they didn't kill anybody, though. But they, uh, somebody murders somebody, chops their head off. The alleged killer, the alleged killer. Alleged kill, until the conviction. Why? Because the lawyers are going, don't call him a killer. If they're acquitted, you call him a murderer, they could sue you. You got to throw that alleged bit in there. Okay, alleged, 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 alleged. Here's, here's footage of the alleged killer allegedly stabbing the alleged victim alleged to death. Allegedly 150 times. And there they are slowly feeding them into the wood chipper, allegedly. But when it comes to January 6th or anything that Donald Trump did, or really any Republican has done, it is, these are insurrectionists. They need to be held. Donald Trump is guilty. He must be kept out of the White House. Wait a second. What happened? Where's the, the courtesy or at least the fear that you might get sued? At least the common decency of the same standard. No, it doesn't matter. It's not just that. If you go back to the Trump years, Donald Trump was doing what? Donald Trump would come out and say, the economy's doing great. It's going fabulous. Everything's wonderful. It's so awesome. And the stock market, look at the Dow Jones setting new records. Set new, and what did these same smug douchebags do? They went out there, the Joe Scarboroughs of the world, put on their Harry Potter glasses and said, the stock market, well, that just means that the rich people are getting rich. The rich are getting richer. Well, here's a thought, Joe. Here's just a thought. If you're 40 years old and you're, you know, having difficulty feeding your family because it's so damned expensive to go to the grocery store and it's a lot of your money's being sucked up into your gas tank so you can make it to work so you can barely make ends meet. You take out your phone, you get your statement, whatever, you log in to see what your 401k is doing. And let's just say that your 401k went from $250,000 to $500,000. Somehow, miraculously, since Joe Biden took office, you've doubled it. You've got a half a million dollars sitting there, baby. Yeah, you can't touch for 25 years. Wait, what? So, yeah, are you going to celebrate that? Is that really great? Yeah, we can't eat today, kids. We're getting evicted or we're, you know, being foreclosed on. But good news, in 25 years, when I retire, if I can afford to retire then, I don't have to keep working and I start collecting my uh, 401k, we will have some money provided the stock market doesn't go down at all in that time. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of the stock market and 401ks. It's great news for everybody. But who does that help today? Who does it help today? Unless you're retired currently, it doesn't help you. It doesn't. You could pay a substantial penalty for early withdrawal. And I suppose you could access those funds. But then those funds are gone and you're screwed. What are you going to do? And you would have basically lost all your gains if you played that substantial penalty for early withdrawal. Who does it help? It helps the wealthy people who 
buy and sell stocks now and pay the capital gains rate. It's not in their 401k. They don't need a 401k. They got gobs and gobs of money. They can day trade. They can mess around. They can do whatever. That's what helps. But I would also like to point out, since I have your attention on this issue, wasn't really planning on it until I saw this tweet. These very same people, if you go back in the Wayback Machine to 2003, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there, throughout that arc of time around the re-election of George W. Bush, what was one of the... George W. Bush proposed the idea of reforming Social Security. Reforming Social Security, and the left went absolutely crazy. I'll never, Michael Moore started something called There Is No Crisis.com or .org or whatever. They, the left was insisting that Social Security is wonderfully solvent. What is your problem? I don't see what the problem is with Social Security. Now we're being told we must let in every illegal alien on the planet because we don't have enough people. We're not reproducing enough. We're not going to be able to continue to pay for the benefits of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, or Medicare, not Medicaid. Medicare, unless we get more people to come here to work. We don't have enough Americans. We're not producing enough Americans, so we have to welcome in all these illegals. It's not quite the great replacement theory, but it is passive acknowledgement that Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, right? Imagine the last few days of last few months of Bernie Madoff as the House of Cards started to teeter. There were fewer people investing billions with him and more people going, you know, I kind of want some of those billions I've made out of your money. That's what Social Security is. Now, if you'd have said Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, if even today, if you say Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, the left will go, how dare you? Fear-mongering, outrage, 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 and then they'll go on to tell you about why they need more illegal aliens in the country and more anybody in the country because we don't have enough people to keep the Ponzi scheme afloat. But these very same people who are telling you, look at your 401k and imagine it's 25 years from now and you can afford to pay your bills, provided the stock market doesn't you know, correct itself, your particular mutual fund doesn't collapse, uh, all sorts of problems that could happen. These are the very same people who, when George W. Bush proposed, I think it was 3%, whatever the 3% of your Social Security withholdings that you, on a voluntary basis, if you wanted to, could take that money and put it in the stock market. See, right now you can pay into Social Security your whole life and the day before your 65th birthday and you start to collect that or 67th birthday or whatever it's up to, you're about to start collecting your drop dead. You get hit by a bus, whatever it is. All that money's gone. Uh, your spouse might get a $1,500 death benefit or something like that. You're not gonna, it's not going to be enough to cover the burial. It's not going to be enough to cover the cremation. It's not going to be enough to handle all of these things. And you go, well, wait a second. They paid in their whole lives. Why don't they get anything? Unless you've got minor children, why don't they really get anything? And the government goes, well, that's the deal we worked out. Of course, they're the one who set up the deal. They set, up, they set up the deal, by the way, Social Security, when it was set up. Uh, 65 was the age to qualify for it, and I believe at the time 62 was life expectancy. 
I know that life expectancy was less than the age of Social Security when you'd start collecting. Because why? Because they wanted a whole bunch of people to have paid into it and died before they ever collected. Right? Makes sense. If you're running a Ponzi scheme, it costs you less money. You don't get anything for it. But George W. Bush said, that's wrong. Can't change the whole system because it's all this, you know, empty shell. But if we let people, if they choose, and only if they choose, it is an opt-in, not an opt-out, and not mandatory. Only if they choose to take 3% of what they pay into Social Security and invest that in the stock market. And then if they die, that money, that 3% and whatever became of it once it was set out free in the stock market, that money can be inheritable. And what did the left do? They want to play, they want to gamble with your social security. They want to privatize social security. They want to do this. They want to, how dare anybody ever even, it's a Russian roulette out there in the stock market. You can't, the stock market was about seven to 9,000 at the time. The Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's now about 38,000. How do you think your investments would have done if joe scarborough is going to tell you you're going to sit there and talk about joe biden well how's your 401k doing well uh how would your social security have been doing if you'd have been able to take three percent of it 20 years ago and invested in the stock market that has since increased like Eight thousand percent. How do you think your How do you think your stock market or your four hundred one k would be doing then? I bet it'd be doing pretty damn good. But no, don't think about what the Joe Scarboroughs and the Morning Joes and the uh, Brady bunch of stupidity in the uh, six boxes there. Don't think about what they were saying back then and their ilk were saying back then. They don't. They don't let it bother them. It's all about the now. It's all about the immediate, which is weird because, again, you can't touch your 401k unless you're 65 years old. I'm sure there are very specific circumstances under which you could should you have become horribly injured or something like that. But let's hope that doesn't happen to you. So unless you're willing to pay or ready to pay or happy to pay, a substantial penalty for early withdrawal. I remember that it was like always in all the commercials, a substantial penalty for early withdrawal. Then you can't touch that. You could, if you can't afford to live right now, the value of your 401k doesn't really matter. How much your 401k, if you can't afford your mortgage payments or you can't afford to buy a house, Unless you're willing, all right, you can dip. I think you can dip into your 401k if you uh, are a first-time home buyer. I think there are special exemptions for that. But again, you do that on your own risk. But all that, all these things that they sit there and they tell you, and of course, it's a guy who makes about I don't know what does Joe make six million dollars a year. I know he was making four million dollars a year about uh, eight years ago. So I imagine he's gotten a bit of a raise. That guy telling you, look at your 401k. Why, I was talking to my broker the other day and I made at least $8 million 
since Joe Biden has been president of the United States. If I'm making that, you what are you, like 800000 something? No, no, most people don't come anywhere close to being as rich as you are, Joe. You married rich the third time. You probably married rich the first and second time, too. And you probably got a slice of that money as well. You think these people understand you? You think these people give a damn about you? You think these people have a clue? They're laughing at you. They're laughing at you. That's the only way to explain. They're throwing a thumb right in your eye. That's the only way to sit there and look. And there's Michael Steele sitting on the panel. He knows all of this. He knows all of this, but he's not about to say anything. He knows where the money comes from. If he says something that makes King Joe mad, boy, howdy, look out. You're never going to get back on Morning Joe. There's John Heilman. He's been reporting 30, 40 years. He knows all this. I'm just some schlub who never even did Social Security policy, but I was alive then. I remember this. How secure would your retirement be if you were allowed to invest that 3% 20 years ago? How secure do you feel right now in your prospect of retirement? How secure do you feel in anything? Do you feel secure at all? Probably not. But Joe is. So, yay? I just got another, speaking of things that you're, you're sitting here, you know, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. I just got another fundraising email. It's a repeat of the fundraising email I got before from Jill Biden. They really are milking this uh, special counsel's report. It's my thoughts on last week is the subject. Like, Jill, I don't believe you have thoughts. I don't think you have the capacity to have thoughts. But in it, she goes, the reason I'm writing is because of uh, what else was in the report. Inaccurate and personal political attacks about Joe. Rather than just saying the case was closed, as they have for others, the special counsel claimed that Joe, quote, couldn't remember the year his son died. Believe me, like anyone who's lost a child, Bo and his death never leave him. I hope you can imagine how it felt to read that attack, not just as Joe's wife, but as Bo's mother. She's not Bo's mother. She's Bo's stepmother. She was Bo's stepmother. Bo's mother died in a car accident in 1972. I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, the first three Biden children, Bo, Hunter, and Naomi, were all with his first wife, Nelia. Naomi, the daughter and the wife, died in that horrible car accident in July and uh, in December of 1972. She was 30 years old. Now, um, it's not like she ran off and just decided, you know what, I'm going to go out for a pack of smokes and never come back. She died. I know you probably felt it just it strikes me as wrong that. You know, I'm his mother. Okay, you step. You can call him, but to do it in a fundraising email to wipe out the existence of his mother, to try and get a couple of bucks out of some sucker Democrats. But then Democrats do this all the time. I found this piece in the San Francisco Chronicle from July of 2021. There's a picture of Kamala, her husband, and his two kids. 
and says, of course Kamala Harris is a mom. Kamala Harris is not a mom. Kamala Harris is a stepmom. Kamala Harris got married in 2014 when she was attorney general of the state of California. Do you really think she had a whole lot of time to come in and have heartfelt conversations like Ma Brady used to on the Brady Bunch about, oh, geez, uh, let me tell you a little, uh, whatever your names are, Ella and Cole, here's how you should handle it. Their mom, by the way, is still alive, too. They just got divorced. So I'm pretty sure if they, well, I need some motherly advice, Kamala, and I much prefer you, you calculating 50-plus-year-old new in my life, trying to replace my mom woman. Yes, you. Miss, I'm Attorney General busily putting black men in prison for marijuana possession so I can laugh about it later. You, yes, I need your advice. I'm not going to talk to my mom. Ew. Did anybody think that she got the mom experience or anywhere close to the parenting experience under those circumstances? Because her kids, the uh, Doug's kids were, I think, 16 and 15, somewhere in their teenagers. No. Everything about these people is a lie. And they just do it so blatantly because who's going to call them out on it? What do they care? What do they care? They're preaching to the choir. The old make God laugh, make a plan. This story, Daily Caller. What a huge blow. Decline in white recruits fueling the military's worst ever recruiting crisis data shows. Hmm. Hmm. Each U.S. military service saw a notable decline in white recruits over the past five years, according to data obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation, likely factoring into the military's crippling recruiting process, crisis i'm sure it's a factor if somebody dropped out if a group of people have you know dropped down significant that's and you got a crisis of recruiting that would be it the army navy and air force missed their recruiting objectives by historically large margins in fiscal year 2023 which ended september 30th as the broader american public has grown weary of military service According to the Department of Defense statistics, officials and experts who spoke to the Daily Caller News Foundation. Since 2018, however, the number of recruits from minority groups has remained steady or in some cases increased, while the number of white recruits has declined, according to data on demographics of new recruits obtained by Daily Caller. The data, quote, reveals the decline of white recruits is almost entirely responsible for the recruiting crisis. Will Thibodeau, director of the American Military Project at the Claremont Institute, told the Daily Caller, quote, a small portion, a smaller portion of white Americans serve now than ever before. This is fundamental because complementary increases in black and Hispanic recruits have not taken place, he added. Now, why would it be that white kids would not be interested in joining the military. Well, if you look at the DEI agenda, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, oh, it's so giving, it's so caring, it's so inclusive. Everybody, just get together, sing hands, buy each other. You want to buy the world a Coke? It's actually very anti-white. Whitey, and if you don't have any sympathy for Whitey, I don't care, but I'm just telling you how it is. White people are the problem 
in every way, shape, or form in the eyes of corporate America, in the eyes of academia, in the eyes of the Democratic Party, and even the white people who subscribe to it to sit there and sort of self-flagellate over their hatred of themselves. Man, if I could just take a cheese grater to get this horrible white skin off. Well, why would you want to serve a country that is fundamentally racist? That is fundamentally racist. It is founded on racism, as a matter of fact. It's founded for racism. It was founded to perpetuate white supremacy. If you're beat over the head about that, and you're taught to hate yourself because it's something you had nothing to do with, why would you serve that country? Who the hell would serve that country? If you believe this stuff, you go, I'm not going to go serve basically the Klan. It's America with three Ks in it. No way. I'm not going to go waste my time in that. Forget the free college stuff. I'm not going to do it. That's how insane this is. That's what happens. There are, like I say, you can't throw a rock into a pond and there not be ripples. This is one of those ripples. Maybe you didn't think about it before, but if you're demoralizing people, and that's what it is. It doesn't matter how fervently they take to the streets. and They go, oh, we're going to take back the streets and we're going to get rid of the racism and, oh, we're going to combat. We're social justice warriors. We're going out there. Deep inside, they hate themselves. Part of the reason they're marching with such fervor is they have been taught. Maybe they're not aware of it. They have been taught that they're the problem. So they got to work double hard. They have that self-loathing that comes with it. I'm the problem. I did this. I must work doubly hard to combat this. I must stop it. Well, why would you then go and defend that? again? Colonial. I mean, the leftists treat the United States as though it's a colonial power. We're going to go around and we're going to do this. And we're going to take over all these countries. We're going to impose our will. They're basically treating it Act as though it were, frankly, what leftism does, what socialism does, what communism and fascism have done. They do seek to impose their will everywhere else in the world. We don't, never really have. Don't, don't want none, don't start none. Problem solved. But we're not going, you know what, Canada, we could use Canada. Let's just go take it. What, what, how long would it take to take Canada? 20 minutes? Get a group of Canadians together, throw it on a hockey puck and some sticks, and, and they'll be distracted. The Canadian troops will just start playing hockey, and you just go around them. And you, you got Canada. Congratulations. But, yeah, it's a problem that has other effects. See, the left thought, well, we're ensuring ourselves a voter base. We're ensuring ourselves a voter base. And we're also trying to sort of cloward and pivot this whole system into collapsing. And uh, this is helping us. If, and it is. It does help them. It has. I think people are starting to wise up. I'm not sure we're going to get to the point of collapse because, you know, people, as it's teetering on the edge, you've got economic despair in these places that are controlled by Democrats. People are starting to realize these are controlled by Democrats. It's all well and good in Chicago when the mayors come out and peacock around a stage like they're Mick Jagger going, we 
are a welcoming city. We do not subscribe to what those right-wingers down in Texas are saying, that we need to seal the border. We should be, as we are a sanctuary city. We will protect all of our citizens. Just because you're not here with documents doesn't mean you're part of the problem, blah, blah, and everybody goes, ah, good, good, we don't want that. And then suddenly they start showing up in mass in a way people notice in concentrated places. And, and everybody goes, wait a second, what's this? What's it? You're, you're cutting benefits to us because you want to give benefits to them. And wait a second, there's, we're compassionate, sure, but I mean, compassionate as far as sending good vibes out into the world. We're not compassionate as far as, you know, you can crash on my couch. Not gonna, we just raised our own taxes to build this community center and now suddenly we're not allowed to go to the community center because you've stocked it full of uh, illegal aliens like it's a trout pond. What the hell? When the abstract becomes the construct, people's tunes change almost immediately. And it's kind of funny to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, I, amuse, I get amused by it. But all the people that are waking up now, maybe they're waking up too slow. For everybody that's waking up now, the real focus of the DEI and the Ibram Kendis and the Robin D'Angelo's of the world with their uh, white guilt and anti-racism and everything is, is the white people. Two Democrats up until this election cycle, and we'll see how it plays out. The biggest electoral obstacle they had was evil, stupid whitey. There are too many of us, and too few of us obeyed. They Sure, they won, but it doesn't matter. They won absolute power. As long as they, any free-thinking, pro-freedom conservative exists anywhere, it's problematic. That can spread, you know, that can spread. Somebody talks about freedom. Somebody who's never heard the concept might go, wait a second, that is pretty interesting. Tell me more about this freedom business. They need to squash us everywhere. And while they're busy chasing us down and, and making some inroads, usually with, you know, apparently white kids in the suburbs and white Chardonnay sipping ladies who are generally pretty wealthy, who fall for the liberal line because they get their news from the view. God help us. The rest of it, the black and brown people, Democrats have professed to care so much for since they stopped hating them and trying to own them and trying to segregate them out, even though they're trying to segregate them out now. Huh, wait. Yeah, yeah the Democrats are still doing the exact same stuff they did Back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, maybe not the lynchings that they did. They've been able to control their urges there. But as far as the segregation now, the segregation tomorrow, segregation forever, that's the Democrats then. That's still the Democrats now, but now it's done in the name of tolerance. Tolerance. Of course, every high school kid needs a safe space in which to graduate. Therefore... They should have separate graduations. That's not bigotry. That's tolerance. Should have separate dorm rooms. We call them separate but equal dorm rooms. 
for uh, our students of color because they need a safe space. Why is it always whitey demanding, liberal whitey, demanding a safe space for the minorities? And they say, well, this is for you, so you can have a safe space. When realistically, you know they're going, I want a safe space without you. Okay, it's it just, you guys go over, it's good, for, it's good for you. It's good for you. It's going to be awesome. What they're really doing is creating, recreating the segregation they started. They pioneered. But this time it's, it's for the benefit of the people who they're conning, right? Every confidence game is for the benefit of the, the mark, isn't it? Look, if you give us a million dollars, I've got a scam that'll end up getting us 10 million back. Nobody goes, give me a million dollars and I will earn you, we'll risk it all for the prospect of winning between 7500 and $10,000. Well, nobody's going to go for that. It's got to be big, big, big return on the investment. But if you're sitting there with this bigotry, this bias, and all this crap, you're going to lose a bunch of people. And they're focusing very much on winning winning white people, and they're losing black people because and, and Hispanic people because the Hispanic Americans... They don't want an open border any more than anybody else does. Black Americans don't want an open border any more than anybody else does. It was one thing to be in. You could easily be indifferent to it when it wasn't literally in your front yard. It wasn't literally on your stoop when it wasn't literally on the sidewalk outside your apartment building. Now that it is, and now that they've taken over floors of the apartment building, they've taken over community centers and all that stuff, you go, oh, wait a second. This kind of sucks. This ain't right. Well, care for what you wish for. That's all. That's all I'd say. So it's kind of funny and sad to watch as you see that the recruitment numbers are down and it turns out it's because of white kids. You're not teaching kids patriotism anymore. You're not. You're not teaching kids anything good about this country anymore. Why would anybody want to serve it well used to be the argument was uh, it's a leg up it's a you get free college the gi bill you do this you do that you do the other thing well now the government's giving away student loan money like they're a rapper with a a bill gun at a strip club just shooting it out there making it rain why would you bother now, you know, Whitey can bypass that. Why would you bother? Why you go right into the streets? The real problem isn't foreign enemies. The real problem is the domestic enemy. The self-loathing, the hatred, the horribleness that is this country. Why would you go and serve this country when you can sit internally and fight to change, to fix, to save, or even destroy this country. That's what I think is happening here. Nobody wants to address that. Nobody wants to get to it. But if you just listen to Democrats and how they talk, well, that's Democrats and how they talk. Have you heard about this shooting at uh, Joel Osteen's church, the uh, the would-be tranny killer out there? 
It's it's a real messed up person. You really got to wonder why, how it was with this rap sheet. This person was not in prison, but then you go, oh yeah, Democrats, Democrats. It's Houston. You go, well, it's Texas, Derek. It's Houston. Okay, it's it's Houston. It's it's an island of blue and a sea of red. Most states have overwhelmingly, if you look at county by county election results for the presidential election you go oh that's uh deep red deep red and then you go wait there's just down there in that one corner there's that little blue area so like wait so so illinois goes or michigan goes for republican no no that's detroit down there in the lower right hand corner and there's a lot of people down it's wayne county really and there's a lot of dumb people down there and that overwhelms everything else. Geography, it's it's about numbers. It's not about land mass. It's the same thing down in Texas, except it's the opposite. There are far more people in, uh, well, Dallas is a little more conservative, but Houston is left-wing. That's why you don't want to live in Houston. You know, that's why you don't. Uh, but this story from the uh, UK Daily Mail, <clears throat> a Texas woman who opened fire at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church, was accused of being a schizophrenic with Munchausen by proxy, but still able to legally purchase an AR-15 she used to unleash horror on Sunday. Gunwoman uh, Janice Yvonne Moreno, 36, had a lengthy criminal record going back to 2005, including charges of assault, Weapons, marijuana, possession, and forgery charges. She also had a history of mental illness and was held in an emergency detention on an emergency detention order in 2016, police said Monday. They also revealed they found anti-Semitic writings that Moreno appeared to have issues with Jewish relatives. Democrat. Everything about her. Democrat. Trans. Anti-Semite. Crazy. Quote, we do believe there was a familial dispute that had taken place between her ex-husband and her ex-husband's family, some of whom are Jewish, police said in a press conference. Moreno used several identities under both genders, and it's unclear what gender she identifies as. However, police said Monday, she is believed to be the biological mother of the seven-year-old she brought to the church with her. Go, what? the hell this whole story is completely messed up but i want to play this clip from the houston police because have i mentioned houston is a cesspool of liberal democrats the police commander here it sounds like they did a pretty thorough investigation of what this weirdo's pronouns might be remember Biological woman occasionally, allegedly calls herself a man. This is the priority. Not the fact that this person tried to kill a bunch of people. But what proper pronouns. You, you want to talk about a disconnect between reality and Democrats. This really exemplifies it. So she has utilized both male and female names. But... Through all of our investigation to this point, talking with individuals, interviews, documents, Houston Police Department reports, she has been identified this entire time as female, she, her, 
And so uh, we are identifying her as Genesee Moreno, Hispanic female. Thank God. Thank God. You wouldn't want to offend the psychopath attempted murderer. It's just... That, that, after our investigation, before we bother to find out anything about the crimes, we didn't even dust for prints, we didn't collect the shell cases, we didn't do anything. We immediately started checking her social media footprint to find out whether or not she'd ever claimed to be a man. We wouldn't want to offend this monster. You want to talk about a different world, a different reality, this is the left, who is, for who is this a priority? Who goes, no, 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 I, I understand all the horrible details and everything, but are you misgendering this person? You wouldn't want to misgender this person. God forbid you misgender a person who tried to kill a bunch of people. You wouldn't want to offend them. That would just be wrong. <laughs> the gunwoman's mom reportedly attended the Houston megachurch and its staff may have been questioned about the shooter during her contentious divorce battle, according to documents seen by KHOU Channel 11. Court records from 2022 show that Marino's ex-mother-in-law, Wally Caranzana, accused her and her mother of keeping the child away from his father, Enrique Caranzana, who is currently in jail in Florida for failing to register as a sex offender. There's just nobody good in this story. It's just worth it. You just sit there and you go, is this as the trailer park turns? Doot, 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 doot. Carnzana claimed Moreno had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and Munchausen by proxy, and that she was investigated by Child Protective Services four times and found to have harmed the child twice. However, the mother-in-law did not show up in court, and the judge made Moreno the managing conservator for the boy, now fighting for his life after being shot in the head in the gunfight. So, a very concerned, the family is very concerned for the well-being of this child, but not concerned, you know, I don't know, go to bed early, get up for court the next day or whatever. You just don't show up to... We want to save this child. Wait, what time is the hearing? There's an 8 a.m. now? I mean, I like the kid, but come on. All he really is is another mouth to feed. God, you just... Despite the sordid history, Texas officials revealed Monday that Moreno was able to legally purchase the assault rifle in December. There's another failure of the FBI background check, wouldn't you say? Marina entered the mega church with a seven-year-old boy just before a Spanish language service was set to begin. She was wearing a trench coat and backpack and carrying a yellow rope that appeared to be a detonation cord. She sprayed some type of substance on the ground and started firing before two off-duty cops who were working at the megachurch shot her dead, police said. We'll never know which way she truly wished to be referred to as far as her pronouns go. All we can do is try to carry on her legacy. You would not want to offend the dead would-be killer who more than likely will be ultimately sadly responsible for the death of her own child because she's evil. 
put the priority. The police have their priorities. We will not misgender that person. We will not do it. We're so screwed. Looking at the Twitter machine again, and I see this. This is serious. This is 18 hours ago. This is Barbara Streisand. God, Barbara Streisand. I listened to that Barbara Streisand book. It's 48 plus hours of narcissism recounting every nice thing somebody ever said about her and every meal she enjoyed. I don't know that you could be a bigger stereotype if you tried of being just a total pain-in-the-ass theater person. That's all the book was. There was no editor at all. Just like, oh, this is what I want to do. It was really good conditions. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? You're describing the meal, not the event. Barbara Streisand tweeted out, how silly is it? that Republicans want to have Fannie Willis fired. For what? Thinking a woman can't have a private life as well as a professional one? Men do it all the time. How ridiculous is this? <laughs> God, she's so, she's so stupid. She's so insulated. One of the things that really lets you know about who Barbara Streisand is, is in her book, she recounts meeting with uh, Newt, or not meeting, which was like an event, a state dinner, and she's in line behind Newt Gingrich, who was Speaker of the House at the time. Speaker of the House at the time. And he turns around politely. Obviously, he knows that Barbara Streisand is a complete leftist, fascist piece of crap. But he goes, yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of yours. And a fan, because, you know, you separate the talent from the post-digested food exit port that the person actually is. And so you just make it small. You just be polite in polite society. And Barbara Streisand says, I am an enemy of yours. And you just go, you're, you're really a joyless human being, aren't you? You really are just a, a pile of excrement. And you're dumb on top of it. I think she graduated high school, but she graduated high school the same way most celebrities graduate high school. Eh, all right, here's your diploma. You're not going to get to college. You're not going to do anything. Don't embarrass us by letting the world know you're illiterate. But you got to check this box. You're famous. You're not going to need a high school diploma. Go ahead. It's just a disgrace. Oh, Fannie Willis is not for having a private life. Hey, we hear that Fannie Willis has, had, has engaged in premarital sex. This is an outrage. No. Fannie Willis hired her concubine with tax dollars to go after the former president of the United States. She paid him 40% more than she paid anybody else that she hired for the exact same task. And oh, by the way, he was the only one she hired for that task who had zero experience in that type of... He's mostly a traffic lawyer, like go to traffic court, that kind of guy. But now he's suddenly going to try a RICO case? She's taking, she's paying him a fortune and he's taking her on vacations with that money. Oh, and he's married at the time. That Not that Babs gives a damn about that. If you listen to her book, she doesn't care about that sort of thing. So, like, okay, that's um, kind of messed up, don't you think? I promise you. 
Barbara Streisand has an entire two chapters, I think it was, about the evils of Clarence Thomas and why it was that Clarence Thomas had to go and he, he all he did was ask out Anita Hill. Clarence Thomas does need to have some kind of uh, professional mental examination because he found Anita Hill to be attractive and interesting. If anything, that would be like, whoa, wait a second. Give me pause for a second. But she was outraged. The power dynamic. The this, the that, and the other thing. And now, suddenly, the woman is the boss. She hires a guy she's banging, puts him in charge, pays him more than everybody else, including other women she hired. I thought Babs was all about female empowerment. And is going, hey, man, what's the big deal? This is ridiculous. These Republicans, they don't think that a woman should be able to have a private life as well as a professional life. (laughs) This is your brain on lack of oxygen from living too long inside the bubble. That's what happens here with Babs. Anyway, speaking of a brain with a lack of oxygen, yesterday Joe Biden welcomed the King of Jordan to the White House. Have you seen this footage? You just look at it and you go, good God, dude. What? It lets you know how far gone Joe Biden is. He's aware of the special counsel's report. He's aware that everything he's doing in public is being filtered through the lens of people, even people who didn't notice before, now noticing that he's lost a step, the reports that he's lost a step. So he's got to, if at all possible, this would be the time to hunker down. Would it not? You're going to be in public. Take your smashed up Adderall, do a bump of it, whatever it is, however you've managed to focus. Now is the time to focus because everybody's looking at you. Everybody's watching. You can't afford a senior moment. And he does. He has a senior moment. He has a couple of them. One isn't uh, good for audio. He introduces the King of Jordan. And then he kind of stands behind him. And he shifts two or three times on which side of the podium he's standing on. Because he's not sure where he's supposed to stand. Where he was instructed to stand. He's the President of the United States. Stand wherever the hell you want. But he's like, no, I got to be a good dog. And he's looking on the ground for a marker they usually put down tape where they would prefer you to stand they want you to stand in frame although with joe i think he'd want him to stand out of frame of the cameras because if he's in frame of the camera there's a possibility he's going to fall asleep he's going to start drooling he could just drop over he could look like you know you're looking there going oh my god a zombie from the walking dead there's all sorts of possibilities the more time he spends out of frame the better off it is but he literally went uh, one side and the other side, then back to the other side. He's like, oh, I think I got to go over here. Like, dude, what the hell is your problem? But when I play you this clip here, I want you to know that the Queen of Jordan's name is Raina. Raina. Very short, two-syllable, Raina. R-A-N. IA. Joe Biden apparently rolls in circles of pop star celebrities and whatnot, or 
He has weird fantasies about women, young, actually probably shower with his daughter still if he had the chance, but uh, yeah, women young enough to be his granddaughter because he pronounces it Rihanna, which is nowhere near Reina. Not in spelling, not in anything. Yet, there she is. I want you to just, just sadly, this and now at a time when you should be absolutely focusing, should be absolutely focusing. You, you get out there, you get that pep talk behind the screens, scenes ringing, Mister President. We've got to worry about this image of yours. We can really put a damper in it. We can put a nail in its coffin if you go out there and you just nail this thing. You hammer this thing home. You hit a home run. Go if you hit a double and we're doing all right. We're better than usual. So just stay with it. Focus. Read the teleprompter. Look alive. Proof of life video. Think of it in those ways. And instead, no, he mistakes R-A-N-I-A for R-I-H-A-N-N-A because he's senile. Let me start by welcoming His Majesty, the King of Jordan. He's been a good friend. Abdul, welcome back to the White House, man. Welcome back. And by the way, Barack's looking at you in the corner over there. And along with Queen Rihanna, who is uh, meeting with Jill now, and the Queen and the Crown Prince Hussein. Where is the prince out there? I thought he was coming out. At any rate. God, what an embarrassment. And the Crown Prince, is the Crown Prince, is the prince here? Who's, where, who am I? Why am I here? I'd say it's entirely possible that whoever the president's advanced people are and the setup people are are really just horrible at their job, and it's still entirely possible that they're horrible at their job. But this was in the teleprompter. Okay, if somebody's not there, you're just going to confuse Joe. You can't write it for a normal human being who can just go with it. You have to write it for a doddering old eighty-one-year-old senile man. So you don't put somebody's name in there. Because this is the guy who calls out to dead people. When you put, even when the names aren't in there, he's talking about how he had conversations with dead people. You just don't, you just exactly what he's supposed to say. And if somebody's not there, don't put it in there. He'll be tempted to try and give him a shout. Oh, the, the prince, the prince is here. The Where's the prince? Oh, I thought he was going to be here. Why would you have thought he was going to be here? Why? What's the matter? Who's briefing you on these things? God, I just, you know, the, the, the most, like every day, every day he comes out and you're going to see less and less of the president of the United States as time goes on because they can't have more performances like him shuffling. And then the second the King of Jordan is done, the president turns and the King of Jordan turns and the King of Jordan has to walk so slowly that he almost falls over. Like, Normal people have difficulty walking super duper slow without it being really, really awkward. Just do. You just walk normally and you're like, okay, wait, no, we got to come along with this person. Do the little bitty shuffle, the little bitty shuffle. And Joe looks wildly unstable and he looks clueless. He just knows that the second he is over, they pivot and walk out, and that's what he does. And he's got that kind of lean forward of his head and neck. Going to just make it to the door. His wheelchair is probably inside that door. 
and they shuffle off, and then Joe puts his arm around the king. Now, this led to questions, well, a lot of it, everything, all the events of late led to questions at the White House press briefing from the historic Karine Jean-Pierre. My God, she's so historic. It's just so historic, it hurts. And um, people asked the obvious question. The White House is outraged that anybody would suggest that Joe has lost a step mentally. In any way, shape, or form, no way at all is Joe senile. How dare anybody suggest otherwise? Jill's fundraising emails. And look at all he's accomplished. He brought our country back from COVID. He brought our economy back from the brink. Do you, do you know? Again, you don't know how good you've got it. He created 14 million jobs. Gas prices are down. I mean, not this week, but, you know, from the height. I love, I love this, the gas prices are down crap. Gas prices are down from their all-time high, which Joe Biden caused. They are not down from when Joe Biden took office. See, that's, that's the difference. Inflation. Inflation is down. That's the next line. Gas prices are down. Inflation is down. Yeah, inflation is down from the high under Joe Biden. Inflation is not down from what Joe Biden inherited. Inflation is actually up. Gas prices are down from the $5 that they were when Joe Biden was canceling leases and uh, making ga- doing everything possible to tell the world, we don't want your gas. We don't want your oil. But they're not down to the under $2 a gallon they were when Joe Biden took office. He made things significantly worse. And then eventually, you couldn't keep making things worse. So they improved a little bit from their worst. You don't get credit. I used to beat the hell out of my children every day of the week. Now I only beat them Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Am I not father of the year? No. No, you're not. You shouldn't be beating your kids at all. Well, I only do it on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and sometimes they deserve it. So, you know, let's let's not make a federal case out of it. Jeez, don't be so sensitive. I'm just saying. It's certainly a marked improvement. You at least got to give me some credit for beating them up, you know, four fewer days per week, which is a pretty good thing, don't you think? No. Yet for Democrats, for Joe, for his re-election campaign, that's an indication of how bad things are. They're touting. Things aren't as bad as we initially made them. Okay. Congratulations, Joe. So as we're talking about Joe's senility and Joe's fumbling and bumbling, Karine Jean-Pierre, historic. God, she's so historic. Can't you just... Feel the history. The historic Karin Jean-Pierre was asked. You guys are sitting there saying this is false. This is untrue. Joe is with it. Joe has got it. Joe is whatever. Yet we see what we see. We know what we know. And uh, maybe maybe we could talk to the president's doctor, right? Wouldn't that be good? Get the president's physician up there. No, I wouldn't necessarily believe the president's physician anyway but 
it's got to be an awkward position to put a doctor in. He goes, come on out here. Tell him everything is fine. Uh, but everything isn't fine. Well, just go out there and find a way to tell him everything is fine, dude. What are you doing? It's got to be awkward. Well, Corinne Jean-Pierre does not address that at all. She instead goes on to being, at, hey, can we talk to the president's doctor? She responds with, you know, the special counsel, Robert Hur is not a doctor. Like, okay. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. Apropos of nothing, he was talking about how a jury would perceive some guy who can't. Now, was Joe lying? If Joe was lying and pretending he couldn't remember anything, that'd be a pretty interesting tidbit of information you might want to share with the special counsel. Going, hey, no, 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 no. He's not senile. He was just, I don't know, being cute, being evasive. He likes to pull these pranks on everybody. Go ahead. Go ahead and charge him with felonies for violating the Espionage Act and mishandling classified materials. Go ahead. He's fine. They don't want to say that. They have to walk they have to walk this weird fine line between we don't want him charged, but he's well enough to be charged. He's certainly there's never been anybody more fit to be charged than Joe Biden. Just don't charge him, please. Don't charge him. Listen to this exchange. KJP, so historic. When can we talk to the president's doctor and how come he hasn't been, they haven't been asked to come out here and talk with us given the, the her report that challenges the president's mental fitness? So look, uh, you know, just to speak to uh, the her report really, really quickly, uh, special counsel her is, is, as far as I remember, is a is a uh, obviously a, re a Republican, a a a, uh, a prosecutor. He's not a, he's not a medical doctor. He's just not. It's not for him to speak to. It's just not. It's, it, 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 hey, when can we talk to your doctor, Karen? I think we would need to talk to you. Your doctor, you seem to be having as much cognitive difficulty as, as the president himself is. Having somebody, look, he's, uh, having somebody really dumb swear to you that somebody else is the smartest person they know is not really the testimonial you're going to want to put on the book jacket, right? It's just not. <laughs> like, hey, this guy's super smart. Yeah, okay, there you go. But it's not just conservatives that have noticed this, that have, have, have paid attention. Now, John Stewart is back at The Daily Show. And he delivered a month. He he's just doing Mondays. You want to know how far the da Daily Show couldn't find... This is how bad the state of comedy is. The Daily Show couldn't find anybody to host the show. Anybody good enough. Anybody, whatever. And you don't even have to be that good. Just terrible. You got to be a left-winger. And uh, no left-wingers, they're not allowed to have fun anymore. So they don't really do comedy like they used to. It's used to be set up punchline. Now it's anger applause line. It's all politics. It's all victimhood. So you can't have fun at anybody's expense because having fun at somebody else's expense is really mean. Unless it's evil whitey, then knock yourself out. But Jon Stewart was back for the first time on Monday, and he delivered a monologue. Now, this is a long clip. I wanted to play the whole thing because the whole thing is prescient. It is important. But he says something in the middle of it. That is particularly worth pointing out. It's not the job of the public 
It's the job of the president to reassure us about his mental capacity. Not our job to basically shut up about it. There's obvious reasons for there to be questioning of Joe Biden's mental state. He has to reassure us. Or we should seriously consider invoking the 25th Amendment. I know, I don't want Kamala to be president any more than anybody else, but I don't want this senile old coot out there doing it either. But he does, then he takes shots at Trump too. This is how they've man, how the left has managed to deal with this. Is yes, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are old. There's no real comparison between the energy, between the abilities, the speaking abilities, or anything like that. You could say focus, but Trump has always been ADHD. Uh, but there's no comparison between the two. Otherwise, that being said, it's still kind of funny this whole thing. And it's really amazing to see it or hear it coming from John Stewart, the darling of the left. They were going to, I don't know, this will probably cost him magazine covers. These two candidates, they are both similarly challenged. And it is not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism like this, especially of Biden, is unfair. Because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp. He's focused. He's bright. He is sharp, intensely probing and detail oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. He's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? (laughs) Because if you're... If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. (laughs) That would be good to show to people instead of a TikTok where he goes, chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) We see he's in charge. You see, I like cookies. Of course, when it comes to Republicans, they've got a different strategy for their 77-year-old candidate. Well, first of all, Donald Trump is not an old man. He's an old man! (laughs) He is objectively an old man on a human scale. Trump is objectively old. If he was a tortoise, I would tell him as a tortoise at 77, oh, young man, go off and enjoy college. (laughs) But he's not a tourist. He's not a tortoise. That is not being ageist. That is being human lifespanist. <laughs> One thing we know for certain is this. We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run uh, for the presidency in this country, in the history of this country. They are the oldest people ever to run for president, breaking by only four years the record that they set! <laughs> 
and they ran. They are at the age. They are objectively old. They're at the age. There are no more age-related milestones to hit. They got the ARP card. They've got Social Security. They've got their movie discounts. There is no, oh, wait till you hit 88. You get to drink and drive. No! The only thing left to them is a Today Show Smuckers shout-out. You know what? I think we've got a new name for our election coverage. Indecision 2024 Antiques Roadshow. All right. Look. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We're not suggesting neither man is vibrant, productive, or even capable. But they're both stretching the limits of being able to handle the toughest job in the world. What's crazy is thinking that we're the ones as voters who must silence concerns and criticisms. It is the candidate's job to assuage concerns, not the voter's job not to mention them. And look, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be cruel. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to do this on my first day. Come, come over here. Look at me. Look what time hath wrought. Give the kids a tree to the lunar surface here. <laughs> Look at this. I'm tw like 20 years younger than these <laughs> This. Look at this. They wish. And if you think like, oh, 20 years isn't that long, this is me 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and perhaps it was my mistake for sleeping in a meat dehydrator. <laughs> Look, Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. He hasn't been indicted as many times, hasn't had as many fraudulent businesses, or been convicted in a civil trial for sexual assault, or been ordered to pay defamation and had his charities disbanded, or stiffed a ton of blue-collar tradesmen he'd hired. Should we even get to the grab the pussy stuff? Probably not. But the stakes of this election don't make Donald Trump's opponent less subject to scrutiny. It actually makes him more subject to scrutiny. If the barbarians are at the gate, you want Conan standing on the ramparts, not chocolate chip cookie guy. <laughs> so what's the good news? <laughs> that was not rhetorical framing. I'm literally asking you. Look, the next nine months or so, and maybe more than that, depending on the coup schedule, <laughs> they're going to suck. You're going to be getting emails with insane subject lines like, Hello, John, it's Chuck Schumer. <laughs> Donald Trump is right behind you with a knife. <laughs> Don't aim. 
You're going to get inundated with robocalls and push polls and real polls, and people are going to tell you to rock the vote and be the vote and vote the vote and finger bang the vote. And it's all <laughs> going to make you feel like Tuesday, November 5th is the only day that matters. And that day does matter. But man, November 6th ain't nothing to sneeze at or November 7th. If your guy loses, bad things might happen. But the country is not over. And if your guy wins, the country is in no way saved. I've learned one thing over these last nine years, and I was glib at best and probably dismissive at worst about this. The work of making this world resemble one that you would prefer to live in is a lunch pail job day in and day out, where thousands of committed, anonymous, smart, and dedicated people bang on closed doors and pick up those that are fallen and grind away on issues till they get a positive result and even then have to stay on to make sure that result holds. So the good news is I'm not saying you don't have to worry about who wins the election. I'm saying you have to worry about every day before it and every day after forever. Although, on the plus side, I am told that at some point, the sun will run out of hydrogen. <laughs> it's funny because it's true and it's damning and you would not get this a few years ago. I don't know how you want to view this if you sit there and you say, well, this is the, is the left turning on Joe, I don't know, but I do know that Joe hasn't endeared himself to these people. If they loved him, they wouldn't have done this. If this were Barack Obama, there's no way this sort of thing would have been done. Just no way whatsoever. They they love him to this day. They love Barack Obama. They would never speak. Thou shall not speak ill of Barack Obama. But Joe Biden, no. The Obamas don't even like Joe Biden. It's okay to make fun of Joe. There are legitimate questions. And the fact that Jon Stewart is out there. Now, granted, I don't know. Jon Stewart's been gone from The Daily Show for like 10 years. I'm not sure the people that are the target of The Daily Show are aware of who Jon Stewart is. I'm not sure how many people are watching Jon Stewart. I mean, I know that Jon Stewart was not... He's funny, and he's he does it better. He does that, what you just heard, better than anybody else does. And that's why they couldn't find anybody really to... Trevor Noah was terrible, but they kept him on because they couldn't fire him because he was historic. And then they just decided they couldn't find anybody to do it because everybody else sucked at it. So they paid him probably $10 million to come back to do nine months worth of one-day-a-week work. It's like Rachel Maddow's deal. How do you get those kind of deals? I'd take it. But he, the Daily Show was never the Daily Show the way it was reported. On the average Daily Show ratings, they lost to reruns of Family Guy on the Cartoon Network. Less than a million people. You would never know that. You'd think, my God, this is one of the most popular shows ever. It was in newsrooms. It was in Democratic Party circles. It wasn't amongst general public it just wasn't so i'm not really sure what impact this will have except for the fact that this will be 
The people who watched last night, I promise you, last night will probably be his best night as far as ratings. People going, oh, John Stewart's back. All the nostalgia. You get all the people who remember him going, ooh, nostalgia. And you get all the people who heard about him for 10 years going, let's see what the hype was about. So this could have some impact. But it's it's a point that would not have been made about Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, not because they're not senile. It's the, the, the senile, take senility out of it. Barack Obama had scandal after scandal. He spied on journalists. He imprisoned journalists for not giving up their sources. He used the IRS to target his political opponents. He forced the sale, his administration forced the sale of guns to Mexican drug cartels that were then used to kill a U.S. Border Patrol agent. They just, the only real scandal in the Obama administration was that he wore a tan suit one day. No, you're wildly dishonest, but these people are wildly dishonest. And that's what you get with wildly dishonest people. They would never have done, I don't remember there being a fast and furious monologue, a real serious, in-depth, honest discussion about what the IRS targeting political opponents was really like. No, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do this to Bill Clinton. Daily Show wasn't around then. But they wouldn't have done this to Bill Clinton. They're still making excuses for Bill Clinton. They're still letting Bill Clinton have a pass. Joe Biden is different. I think there might be... They're at least planning for the possibility that Grandpa has to drop out. They're at least planning for it. Maybe some people are nudging him towards the door saying, here's a nice parachute. Go on over. Maybe some people are doing that. But uh, it's interesting to see. The crowd would not have laughed at this many Biden jokes just a few years ago. What it all means, I guess we'll find out together. All right, that is enough for today. The announcement of the winner, though, is what you're waiting for. The winner has been contacted by me. Whether or not he's received it yet or not remains to be seen. It is, uh, I I think I can pronounce his name, Ryan Rambaran. Rambaran, is that right? Rambaran? Rambaran? Whatever it is, it sounds like a pretty cool name. I like the alliteration. Congratulations, Ryan. You got a message from me asking what you would like for me to write in this book or nothing at all. I could just sign it or I could just send it to you plain if that's what you prefer. Um... So thank you for the support. I will announce, we're going to do, I'll announce a new book on Monday. I might not have a show tomorrow. It depends. Right now I'm drinking all this poison, not really poison, but I'm drinking all this horrible stuff. I have a colonoscopy tomorrow. So I'm not going to be on the radio today. I have a colonoscopy today when you hear this. So I'm not going to be on the radio today. And I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes and <laughs> my mood after that. Right now, I'm just feeling a little hollow. Yeah. Ugh, what a horrible thing. We've got to, You know, you want to make a fortune. You come up with a camera that can see everything without needing this stuff. Anyway, that's all. More than you needed to know. But now you know. So, And knowing is half the battle or something like that. Thank you for listening. 
we'll be back either with something tomorrow or back on Friday. I thought about cutting this show in half, but meh, forget it. Let's just go with it. I think I might be able to come up with a short show tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. Thanks for listening. See you soon.